Well, if you would turn with me in your Bibles tonight, Matthew chapter 22 is where we are going to start. Um, I would like to cover a few things today. Uh, a, a commandment that Jesus gave us before he died, a commandment he gave us after he died. And then uh, in Acts, we'll see um, how the apostles obeyed and actually lived it out. Before we really get into any word today, um, I'd like to go ahead and pray if I could. Uh, Father God, I'm your vessel. Uh, this is all about you, Jesus. It's, it's not about me. It's not about what I can say or what I can do. Um, but Lord, it's, it's all about you. It's about what you've called us to do, who you've called us to be. And Father, you've even given us examples uh, on how to live it out. So Holy Spirit, let your words be my words. Let your, your life and, and your freedom and the things that you want to say uh, come out of your words today and out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to start in verse 34. Um, <clears throat> this is after Jesus was uh, confronted by some Sadducees on resurrection stuff. He gave them a he gave them an answer that left them all pretty bewildered. It's not something Jesus uh, wasn't known for. He <laughs> he had times where uh, he would answer people's questions in forms of parables, and people were still left scratching their head and stuff like that. So this is just a typical Jesus Pharisee um, engagement right here, and, and uh, it picks up in verse thirty four. And he sa- it says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply. They met together to question him again. Dumb Pharisees. One of them, (laughs) an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, he says, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Then Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law of Moses and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, the the Pharisees were rule followers. And if you were a, a Jew, if you were a... a uh, considered God's people, uh, you had a list of laws to follow. And these Pharisees were no different. They, the, the Bible actually says that they were religious scholars. They were experts in the law. And so they knew the law up one way and, the, uh, up one way and down another. They knew the law forwards and backwards. They knew what could be done, what shouldn't be done. Uh, most of the law was what shouldn't be done, mind you, not what could be done. And uh, Jesus says, listen, all of the law, the entire law, is summed up in these two commands. Love God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Or excuse me, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so, if the, if the only commandment that God gave us as the most important to cover all of the laws is to love then I think that's something we need to focus on. Amen? Amen. And that's something that we really need to get to know. We need to find out how Christ loved. We need to find out uh, who we should love, how we should love, um, what, what's, the, what's the fruits of love. I mean, it, it's, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you see that in 
in Galatians chapter 5 and 6 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. But it all begins with love, right? Uh, if, you, if you love your, your brother, then it's easy to say you won't steal from him. You know, the Ten Commandments, honor the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, uh, you'll have no other gods before me. You know, don't covet your neighbor's blueberry muffins <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. If you love your neighbor, if you love the brother next to you, if you love the person sitting next to you, you won't want to steal his wife. You won't want to take his canoe. Uh, you won't want to take his land. If you love God with all that you are, you won't disobey him. Does that make sense? If you love God with all that you are, if you are falling in love and you know that you are in love with God, in love with Jesus, in love with the Holy Spirit, you're going to act differently. You're not going to worry about all the things you're not supposed to do because you're going to want to do the things that he's asked you to do, which is to love him and to love your neighbor. You're not going to want to go out and sin because you love Christ. You're not going to want to... um, do the things that, that, that you know should not be done. I, I don't have to cover an entire list of sins for you because th- then it becomes a, uh, a laundry list, an exhaustive list of do nots. And notice when Jesus said all of the laws and all of the demands of the prophets were all wrapped up in these two things. Do these two, he said. Love God and love your neighbor. And if you do those two then you're not going to have to worry about not doing the other ones. You know, I, I've, I've, told, I've told our staff um, at the church that it's, it's, hard to, it, it's hard to hate someone that you pray for. It, it's hard to hate someone that you work beside if you love them, if you've prayed for them, if you, you, know, if you get to be into this relationship with them. It's hard to hate them. It's hard to, you know, you can dislike them, but... You know, if they steal your shirt or wear the same shirt on the same day, especially you ladies, you know, <laughs> it's tough to do that sometimes. But it, it, it's impossible to hate someone that you pray for because God changes your heart. God doesn't have to change their heart. He has to change your heart. You need to worry about yourself. That's why Jesus gave these Pharisees who were trying to trick and trying to manipulate, and trying to deceive. Basically, they were sinning, trying to trap Jesus. And he said, listen, love God. Stop worrying about all these rules. Love God and love your neighbor. And that's the first commandment that, that, that Jesus gave us. It's the first thing that he said. Love God, love your neighbor. And then... The, the Pharisees continue to plot against him. You know how the, the rest of the story goes. They, they, uh, they captured him. Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples whom, uh, whom, whom they, he loved. He hung out with all the time. He showed them how to be in a relational type of love and, and, and how to be in, uh, in a relational type of, uh, yeah, love. Just to be in a relational type of love with the Father. Everything that Jesus did... He claimed he heard from the Father. He saw from the Father. I don't say anything but what the Father gives me to say. And, 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 and I don't do anything that the Father doesn't ask me to do. And, and he showed the disciples, when you're in relationship with Daddy God, when you're in relationship with the Father, he asks you to do things. And because you love him, 
you do those things. Does that make sense? Because you love him, you obey his commands. That's what Jesus said later on in, uh, in, in Matthew. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. Well, I've always asked myself, what commands? You know, I mean, is it, is it the laws of Moses? Is it, 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 that statement, if you love me, obey my commandments, is before Matthew 22 when he says, these are the two commands that I give you. Love God and love your neighbor. If you love him, you're going to obey those two, which is kind of, kind of funny, almost ironic in itself is in, in the fact that if you love Jesus, you'll obey his command to love. He doesn't make it, he doesn't make it very difficult. <laughs> you know, being a Christ follower isn't very difficult. It's, it, it's, it's love. It's loving people. It's, it's loving others. But more importantly, it's, it's loving God. It's being in love with God. Now, I remember the very first time that I, I fell in love with my bride, uh, Jennifer. Uh, we've been married now for almost 12 years and uh, we've known each other for quite some time, but I tell you what, the first time I ever really fell in love with Jennifer, it was, I think we were in Houston. I can't remember. We were on some, uh, some sort of missions trip or whatever, and, and uh, we were leading worship at a church, and this church was, uh, was uh, or excuse me, that church service that morning was, um, was going to be full, and, and we were getting ready, and she's sitting on a on a piano in our friend's house. We went and stayed at our friend's house and uh, uh, she was sitting at a piano and there was this little bay window, you know, behind her. And, uh, and the, the great funny thing was, I tell this story, it was kind of cloudy that day. And uh, when, when I walked into the room and sat down on the sofa, I realized that, you know, wow, she can play. Wow, she looks really pretty today. And then, I, I kid you not, I felt like the clouds parted and the, the sun shine, shone, shined. You can tell I'm not an English major. The sun shined through the windows at that moment when she was holding out this one note, kind of like, oh, at least that's what I heard anyway. <laughs> and, and that was the moment that I fell in love with my wife. And you know, I tell that story because from then on, I, I've done everything that I know how to do to be with her. I've done everything that I know how to do to, to please her. I've done everything that she's asked me to do because I love her. And you see, that's not too far-fetched to understand if you, if you understand love. It's not too far-fetched to, to try and reach that point of love of doing everything that you're asked to do because you love this person. Wanting to be with them. Wanting to, to have what they have and, and do what they do and, and, and do what they ask you to do. You know, there's times where me as a guy, I'll go into little girly women foo-foo shops just so I can be with my bride. I'll go into Marshalls. I'll go into, you know, um, Pier 1. It's not like Pier 1's not a cool store. I mean, there's a lot of little, you know, manly looking stuff in there. Um, but, <laughs> but I'll go into Pier 1. I'll sniff out candles. But I'm doing it because I love my lady. I'm spending time with my lady. I'm, I'm getting to hang out with her. I'm getting to know her. I want to know who she is and, and what she likes and 
what she doesn't like. And, you know, for the longest time, I knew exactly what she liked in coffee. And now she's venturing out a little bit. But for the longest time, I knew what she liked in coffee. It was a hazelnut latte. I could walk into any office where she was and I could hand her a hazelnut latte. And she knew because I loved her, because I knew her. She was pleased. Therefore, I was pleased. It's all out of love. It's all out of love. Every single bit of it. It's not too far-fetched to, to think about when, when the Father, the creator of the universe, the creator of, of heaven and earth and, and skies and, and trees and, and peanut butter and, and the person who made Twinkies. It's not hard to understand how to love that person if we know how to love somebody here on this earth. I mean, think about the exponential infiniteness. Now, that's the part that blows my mind. The infinite God who created everything loves me. And all he's asking me in return through the words of his son, Jesus, love me back and love the person sitting next to you. Love the person that cuts their yard over too far into your yard and it's not the same height. And so you have a problem with that. (laughs) Love the person that puts their garbage across the street. So the garbage man thinks it's your garbage or their garbage and not yours. And, and then you get in a big old fight about it. Love that person. It's difficult only in the fact of You need to know where you're at with God. Love God first. And the second commandment is just as equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Later on, like I said, we know how the story goes. Jesus dies, he's crucified. And and, and, uh, three days later, the stones rolled away and he raises from the dead. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, God himself brought Jesus back back to life and said, let's do this. Let's show the world how to love. So he walks the earth a little bit more. You'll see in Matthew chapter 28, if you will turn there with me, Matthew chapter 28, he, he goes about doing other, <laughs> other miracles and, and he goes about doing uh, other teaching to his disciples. And then at the end of Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 16, Jesus appears to the disciples and he says, uh, the 11 disciples that were left, they left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted and Jesus came and he told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach all these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Remember, what's the two commands that he gave them back in Matthew 22? Love God and love your neighbor. So these disciples don't have a whole lot to teach. They have to teach love, right? Love is what they need to teach. Teach all these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
That's Matthew 28, 18 to the end of the, end of the chapter. That's the second thing that Jesus gave us to do. It's the second most important thing. It's the second point that Christ made sure to tell everyone. He, he gathered all the disciples together. And he said, listen, go and make disciples. When you do, teach them everything I've taught you, which is to love God and to love your neighbor. So the second thing he told us to do was to go and go and share the love that we have. It was to go and teach everyone else how to love the way that we've learned how to love. See, some of us as Christians, we have this opportunity to, to love or to hate our coworker, to love or to hate our boss, to, to love or to hate those in the service industry. I know I'm touching on a nerve right now, but... If your water doesn't get filled up quick enough and you don't leave a nasty O tip, or excuse me, you leave a nasty O tip, you don't leave a good enough tip because your server didn't do a good enough job, are you showing the love of Christ? Are you loving your neighbor? Did you open your mouth and ask for it? You know, they're not waiting on just you. They're waiting on just you. I could understand maybe you'd have a little conversation with them going, hey, uh, could you give me a refill on water, please? That'd be awesome. Show them the love of Christ. I, I was talking with a banker just the other day, um, uh, opened up a new checking account and whatnot. And uh, the funny thing is, I, I'm, I'm talking to her and I'm talking to her. And she goes, uh, so by the way, where do you work? And I said, well, I work at LifePoint Church. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor uh, there. And, and, and she goes, you know what? I knew that there was something different about you. And I said, oh, really? Why is that? And she goes, because you haven't yelled at me, and we've been here for a really long time. <laughs> and I said, hey, there's no reason not to be patient. You have a job to do. I'm trying to get something from you, which is a new checking account. Why would I ever be impatient? And she goes, you just wouldn't understand. There's so many people who come in here, and it's me time, and it's my time, and time is money, and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and they just don't have enough time to sit down and do what it really takes to get a good checking account. And I said, I have nothing but time right now because this is my priority to get this checking account established. And she goes, thank you. I appreciate that. And I knew that you were different because you didn't yell at me. Kind of a tough spot to be in when, when I just told her that I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor at LifePoint Church. And then, and then later on she goes... <laughs> She, she goes, wow, that dude was really crummy. He was mean to me, and he was just rushing me the whole time. He was always on his phone texting. He never really looked me in the eye. I don't even know if he understood what I explained to him, but he's going to have a large bill in his mailbox when he gets home because he didn't listen. You see, you got to take the time to listen to the people. You have to take the time to love people. You have to build a relationship. I know that at this bank, when I was standing there, I looked, I looked around, and as people were walking in behind me, she was calling them by name. Hey, John, so-and-so. Hey, hey, Patsy, I was wondering if I'd see you today. They're building relationship. And whether or not that young lady is a Christian or not, she's doing something that Christ taught. She's building relationship. She's loving not just because she's in the service industry and she's made to, I can tell that that's built into this young lady. 
we got to talking a little bit and she said, hey, uh, you know, I haven't been to church in a really long time. And I said, that's okay, me either. And she goes, what? <laughs> You're a pastor. I said, well, it's been a couple of days. And uh, she kind of chuckled at, at me and, and with me. And, uh, and I said, listen, it, it, if it's about four walls of a church, I said, you never have to set foot in it. I said, we can do this right here, right now at this teller machine or spot, teller spot. We can do it right now. And she goes, I'd be a little uncomfortable doing that right now. But, you know, if, when I keep seeing you, we should talk more because I, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Love God. Love your neighbor. When the principles are in place, the particulars will take care of themselves. Love God. Love your neighbor. And then Jesus commands us in, in, in Matthew chapter 28, he says, now go teach everybody else how to do that. Go teach everyone else. So I'm gonna have one more scripture here and then I, I've, I've got something that I feel God has uh, given to me and inspired and I'm gonna go ahead and read it to you. But before I do, uh, one more scripture. Acts, Acts chapter two. I'm gonna start in verse Let's see, verse 42. All the believers, this was after the day of Pentecost, by the way. So there were over 3,000 that believed. Now there's about, I don't know, 300 sitting here, something like that. Okay, there were 3,000, so there were 10 times more than this. 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you're doing here today. You're coming in and you're listening to the teaching because we, we, need, to, we need to teach you how to walk out this, the, the, this command that God has given us to love him and love your neighbor, right? Amen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship together and to sharing in meals and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people around. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's to the end of the chapter. I want to cover this real quick. There's two things that I'd like to point out uh, in in that passage of scripture. The first thing is people liked what they saw. At the very end, it says, everyone enjoyed the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship. That means each day the Lord added to who was hanging out with these people. What was the first line of defense for these 3,000? They turned around and they told their immediate families. And they turned around and they told their, their co-workers. And then they, they, they turned around and then the co-workers told their families. And then their, their families told the co-workers of the families 
and co-workers and of families and co-workers. You, you see where I'm going with this? It, it, the network was endless because of one thing, relationships. When we are in love with God and we begin to love our neighbor, relationships come naturally. When we're in love with God, we, we, we have an, an open opportunity to build a relationship with anyone we meet, anyone we brush up against. And you know, it's, it's so important that we, we, we take the second part of the commandment that says love your neighbor and we begin to apply that to everyone around us. Because when we do, when we apply that to everyone around us, there are more and more people who will be loving God. And there's more and more people who will begin to love each other. And then there's more people who will begin to love God. You know, if we want to fix this world, if we want to fix this nation, if we want to fix this economy, it all starts with loving God. Until people can become less selfish, less self-serving and more God-serving. Become lovers of God instead of lovers of self. When we build relationships, people will be added to the kingdom. When we begin to build relationships, people will be, be turned on by the love of God that they see in your life. And, and they will be added, as it says here, that, that, that the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. You can't do that if you stay in a little cubbyhole can't do that if you're not a, 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 a person who emits the love of God. And if you're at work and you call yourself a Christian and all you're doing is cussing and beating on your cubicle and, 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 and thieving and stealing, and that's not emitting the love of God. That's not emitting the love of God. So, of course, people aren't going to come to know Christ. It's a hard message, Wes. Yeah, it is. It's a hard thing to do, Wes, because, you know, my job just absolutely sucks. Get another one. Don't get another one and then quit. Don't, don't quit and then get another one. Make sure, make sure that you are where God wants you to be, but also make sure that you are doing what God's asked you to do right where you're at. Make sure that you are loving God right where you are, in your little cubicle or in your office or in the, the, the gigantic big box retail store that you work in, whichever. Love God right where you're at. Begin to love others right where you're at. When the principles are in place, the particulars will take care of themselves. The second thing I want to point out from this scripture is that this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. You see, those 3,000 people decided that they were going to learn all that they could about Christ. They were going to learn all they could about loving God and loving each other. And they were going to go and pour it out when they fellowshiped with their families and with their coworkers, when they, when, when they ate with them together. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good eater. I love eating. Eating is one of my absolute favorite things to do. And uh, as we can see, and, uh, <laughs> and when, when I get to know somebody, I feel the best way to get to know them is to sit down and have a meal with them. 
You know, it, it's really hard to hide um, who you are when you're sitting there chewing a big old piece of steak in the corner of your mouth. Are you an open mouth chewer or a closed mouth chewer? <laughs> Not that that's going to tell me a whole lot about you. I just know that when I sit down together and I see you taking an itty bitty, little bitty dinky bite and, and you put it in your mouth and you chew it and you swallow it real fast and then you guzzle down a big, you know, bottle of water and you don't eat anymore. Maybe you're closed off. Maybe you're not ready for a relationship, but that's the beginning. If you don't have a problem walking up into my house and you can take anything out of my fridge and sit down and watch TV with me on my sofa, that's a relationship. That's where God wants us to be because when we're that comfortable with each other, when we're that, that open and honest with each other, we can begin to share why we have this love. We can begin to share who we are because of this love. We can begin to share that they can have this love too. And so here's the point. The most important thing about this service and about any other service that we attend, you see, this is not meant to be an end, but only a beginning. This isn't meant to be an end. See, at the end of this service, we all have a feeling of, of conclusion. We all have a feeling that, oh, it's over or Oh man, it's over. See, that's not bad or evil by itself, but that thinking needs to be transformed into into us thinking that when this service ends, my faith begins. It doesn't take faith to sit in this room and listen to a preacher. It doesn't take faith to come in and clap your hands during a song or lift your hands during a song. That's expressing love. That's doing what Christ asked you to do, to devote yourself to apostles' teaching, to, to love God. That part doesn't take faith. The faith is sharing it with others. You see, the point isn't to just receive all that this church has to offer on a, on a given service, but to receive it and then go give it away. We're not meant to make church more exclusive, but we're, made to, uh, we're meant to make Jesus available to all that we brush up against. You see, the point is to see our lives, our whole lives, our family life, our work life, our church life, not as mutually exclusive. They're not compartmentalized. But that part of our life, our entire life, as a divine opportunity that God can use any way he wants to. You see, God is telling a grand story and we shouldn't get caught up in our own stories, but, but what part of the story, uh, what part of God's story does he want to tell through our lives? You see, the point is this. Church is not about church. It's not about four walls. It's not about being inside these four walls, but how we interact with people outside of these four walls. Because you can and you will become to the people outside of these four walls the only Jesus that some people will ever see. And they won't just hear it. They'll get to feel it. They'll feel in their lives that they are not hopeless because you and I will completely, uh, almost stink of hope. We will emit hope in our every breath. We, we will be full of hope. They will feel the companionship of God because you and I are walking with him. 
Because you and I are so in love with him. And some, for the very first time, will feel that maybe something they've never, ever, ever felt before. But they'll feel like, they'll, they'll feel what it's like to be loved. So go ahead. Be loved by God. Give love to God. And then finally turn around and give it all away. Give it away freely because people are grasping for just one breath of love, just one breath of life. And you know what? Sometimes that only breath is going to be yours. The point of church, the point of being the church, being the body of Christ is to love God love others and teach everyone else how to love God and love others. If you would, stand with me tonight as we pray.